you know, I wanted, I think something important to bring to light, it's going to be one of the things that I'm focusing on with the Foundation for Domestic Violence Pre Prevention, and that's based in Kansas City, but we're hoping, you know, as we grow, that we'll, we'll go across the country, have different chapters, have different sites that participate. But my focus is going to be on outcomes and how are we measuring the impact we're having on kids and how are we measuring over the long haul, because that will help us to secure additional grants, the impact that we make on individuals and families. And, you know, I often refer to that as changing the world, and I'll say to people, you know, come take my hand. I've said it to you, Judy, come take my hand. Let's go change the world. How does that integrate, though, with your uh, personal project that you want is are they one in the same in your mind, or are you... They're one in the same in my mind, because my personal project is going to be enveloped into the domestic, uh, the Foundation for Domestic Violence Prevention. So my personal project is going to be focused on working at local, state, and federal levels uh, to change laws and the ability for people who've been abused to actually prosecute criminally or prosecute civilly their abusers who've used the internet as a means to abuse. So for example, you can have anyone uh, post anything on the internet. There was a case recently in California where um, the former wife got on Craigslist and offered up her former husband's current wife as sexual oh. bait, posted her pictures without her knowledge and consent, um, posted that this woman had rape fantasies and what she wanted was for people to show up at her house and rape her. And most importantly, that if she screamed and if she cried, that was part of the act and they weren't to stop. Oh, I think I saw this. And seven men showed up to rape Ew. the wife. Now, because seven men showed up to rape that woman, that's prosecuted. That's, that's prosecutable, right? That's, yeah. an, that's an act. But you can have someone post your picture on Craigslist without your consent, without your knowledge, offer you up to have sex with other people. They can take you out on dates and showcase you and tell other people where you're going to be so that they can come check you out. And if you, if no one ever actually approaches you, even though you've been placed in a very dangerous situation without even That's knowing it, it's not illegal. Um, you know, I have contacts at the FBI that I've worked with, and there are no federal laws that govern the Internet. It's all freedom of speech. So one of the gentlemen I work with there told me a case where he was working on where, again, it's Craigslist. It's Craigslist. Uh, there's some examples. And a dad was posting his two-year-old daughter's picture and offering what? his two-year-old daughter up for sex. Oh. So the FBI knew where the man lived. They knew who why? the man was. Why? What? Ugh. Who knows? Who knows what the ultimate outcome? When you do something like that, either to a grown person who has no knowledge, hasn't consented, ha isn't even aware, or a two-year-old who doesn't have any concept. So they knew all this about the man, but because no one had actually shown up to rape the two-year-old, they let him off the hook. They can't do anything. They can't do anything to that man, even though they know Sorry. because it's his freedom of speech and there are no federal laws on the books that, that would have governed no that. None. Sense. No. So a few months passed, probably about nine, and I saw in the paper in Kansas City that they set up a sting and they set a, a, an FBI agent to the man's house. He responded to the Craigslist ad. The dad arranged a time, Whoa. and when the officer showed up, the dad handed him a 
a jar of lube and said, What? She's in the back bedroom. What? So until that point, anybody could have been coming and harming that two-year-old, yeah. and she wouldn't have been taken to the hospital. She, they wouldn't have known what about is it, this right? Deal? Who knows? Who knows what makes someone so vile that they can actually put another person in harm's way? Especially a baby. Especially like, a baby. Uh, his baby. And there's, you know, until that sting happened, months went by. And they could do nothing, even though they knew this was what he was doing. So that should change, right? I mean, there's yeah. laws on the books about that reckless driving. Like right and there should be, regardless of anyone's freedom of speech, there should be a consequence if that freedom of speech puts another person in the potential of, ha- of danger or harm. Wow. It's just disgusting. So that feeds into wow. the overall mission of what I'll be doing with the foundation work and then how I'm going to change the world because that's not acceptable, then anybody who's been placed in that situation lives in fear because there's been a secret network of people coming to watch, coming to check you out, coming to see where you are and who you are and where you work, and you have no idea that it's been going on. So the ability to, once you find out, um, be able to prosecute at just that level seems to be a fundamental right of safety and protection. For me, anyway, that's how I look at the world. So I want to be able to change that for people, and I want to be able to take abused women who have been put in that situation and help them thrive. So, you know, my my career in sales is all about relationships and connections. There's no one eliminated from my phone. There's two people that have do not answer in front of their, <laughs> so if it pops up, it just says do not answer. Um, but my goal will be to share the stories of those women um, that I've talked with, that I've worked with, that I know and love, and share their stories so that other people realize they're not alone in that story, yeah, A. Okay. Um, B, you establish connections for those people to say, this happened to me. Um, and then align them with further resources so that they can leave their perpetrator and then thrive after that abuse. Because that's the key. You know, the best revenge is the life well lived. So that that matters greatly for people in abusive situations to be able to... So going forward, do you see yourself having your own organization or will you be doing your work throughout established organizations that are... Because I think initially there was some... Uh, talk from you that you wanted to have a place mm-hmm. of your own, an organization of your own. Is that still a goal? Oh, that's still a goal, yeah. But I think as you develop the relationships with all these different, whether it's the Foundation for Domestic well, Violence Prevention, yeah. So again, it's about hold my hand and let's go change the world. If we're all working in certain silos of one component of the problem, what happens when you put eight pieces of the that slice of pie together? And then you have a whole working forward to change things. How do you um, process all this me to, and and I don't mean to say it in any kind of belittling way. I have witnessed the me too's in the film industry. I have not been a direct person, but I I was working on a project when, you know, I think I may have told you the story. I was working on a project when a very famous director you know, basically verbally, sexually abused the my creative partner mm-hmm. on that project. So I've seen it. I know it's real. I don't mean to diminish it in any way. How do you process uh, the Me Too movement 
based in, in kind of in what you're doing now and changing the world? How do you see those things colliding and possibly working together? Great question. Thank um, you. The first thing I think about is the woman. In most cases, it's women. In some cases, it's been men too. But most cases are women. I think about them and I think about their families and who they interact with. And so when we start talking about building confidence and changing the world, you can take a confident, fabulous woman and demean her enough to where she doesn't even recognize herself. Mm -hmm. And that affects her children. That affects her parents. That affects her siblings. That affects who those people she loves comes in contact with in a negative way. So when you carry that burden in silence... It just eats away at you. It changes you. It changes you. And so the ability to connect women and or people who've survived this kind of um, abuse is to take those Me Too moments and connect the people and build a network so that everyone can share their stories, make the connections, and then their souls that have been bruised and battered start to rise and the confidence starts to come back. And then every person they interact with has a positive experience. And then every person they interact with has a positive experience. So you take those shared stories where women suffered in silence and that dramatically altered their relationships and you change that for them, that alters their relationships back to a normal state. Right. Because what happens... In those moments when people are quiet and they don't speak about what's happened is that slow eating away of your confidence and your soul and your light that gets diminished, it just makes everything flat. And when you finally decide that you're going to speak up, you think, what the hell took me so long? (laughs) Right. And I can't figure out a word for that. (coughs) Excuse me. I can't figure out a word for what that would be. And I guess I, I should ask you, I mean, do you have to beat me out if I drop F-bombs or am I okay? No, no, you can curse. Uh, this is America. And All right, Americans so, curse. so when you have that situation, it's so fucked up. And there's no way to describe it other than fuckity fucked up. <laughs> because you've experienced something horrific. Right. And then you were quiet about it. And then you worry, well, who else has been harmed in this way? And then you might find out someone else has been harmed in that way. I read this great article about Uma Thurman who says that her silence... I read that. Her silence haunts her because she now knows how many other people were affected by what she experienced as well. And then you kick yourself because how did I even get into this relationship to begin with? Why did I shut up and not say anything? But, you know, (laughs) I mean, like, I hear what you're saying, and... You know, especially in the film business, I can say that the whisper campaigns are so loud, like they're known, like you know Harvey Weinstein, like anybody who's worked in and around the industry a little bit knows like there's something not right about him. The yelling, the screaming, the belittling, the all of that was common knowledge. The leap to raping people is not far. Uh, people say those little things, they have little whispers. So it's like, you know, that's happening, but it's really hard to break the culture. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, he's producing Oscar winning films. You want to work. This is a word of mouth business. If he puts the word out that, you know, you're a bitch or you're mm-hmm. hard to deal with or, uh, you know, at that point in his career, he had the kind of power to be like, no, 
Yeah, you don't get to play anymore in this. Go away. Yeah. Or hang on and somehow claw their way with another producer and, you know, pretend to like Harvey to get ahead. And I'm telling you, it's just a very strange industry. And I think people are not understanding until now just how I would venture to say that many of the actors that we're familiar with, females, have probably done or said something that they didn't really want to do, but had to mm-hmm. do it to get the work. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, what happens if, how different is it, if I if I take what you just said and, and pare it down to a simplistic form, which is a seventh grade bully? It's what not. if everybody else in the class stood up and said, shut up, and it we're not tolerating you? So how do we get to that point where people feel as if they're not living in fear well, it started right. because now people are talking. Right. And you're not, I feel like I can go pitch a screenplay now and the little subtle racist, sexist things that used to be said, well, I can come out of that meeting and say, hey, that, you know, that fucker said this and that. Right. And it, it'll have some gravity. Right. Whereas either it was my youth, my inexperience, or a combination of both, I never would have felt comfortable trying to seek out a platform to even complain. Exactly. And, you know, uh, there are many meetings that are unorthodox that, uh, you know, you could get attacked or somebody could be inappropriate with you. And you, you're exactly right. Feel like, and that's just in Hollywood. I, I mean, I know this applies to other industries, but that was the industry I felt the grotiest yeah. about. Yeah. It's just like, some of this stuff, these dealings aren't right. Yes. (laughs) You know? Yes. Um, but certainly, to your point, I know that this happens on a regular basis, and I do believe the Me Too movement, no matter how people feel about it, because um, I've seen some negative things about it, especially I have too. from the the president, uh, the current president, uh, being able to shed some light on that and giving people the the energy and the confidence to just speak up, yeah. I think is going to make. The difference. Pretty big difference. So take that back to the work that that we're going to be doing on the Foundation for Domestic Violence Prevention. We're going to be talking to kids about confidence. We're going to be talking to kids about speaking up. We're going to be talking to kids about raising your hand and saying, what just happened wasn't right. And I think empowering little boys to do it as well, because they have to be the ones on the other side saying, what you just did to this woman was not okay. And everybody's not like that. And everybody's not like that. And giving them the courage. Right. Which is... You know, you asked me about my little cousin, uh, the thing I liked about him, and that's one of the things I like about him. He would be the guy to be mm-hmm. like, hey, that's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, he marches to the beat of his own drum. Right. And I was that person. I was I too. I think a lot of people told me things because if it didn't sound right, I'd go find somebody like, you need to know about this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like the Michigan State thing doesn't happen on my watch. Right. I wouldn't rest until that dude was done for. Right. And, um, but let's think about it this way too. You know, you've brought up a couple of great points in that people didn't have enough confidence to step forward in, in those situations in Hollywood. Right. People didn't have, don't have enough confidence now when you know something about someone and you do nothing, I think you're part of the problem and you are attached at the hip to that person. You're part of the issue when you've done nothing about it. And so you need to be able to have the confidence to do it, but you also have people sharing their stories. That's why it's called Me Too, because people finally had the ability to say, 
this happened to me. And someone heard the story and said, wow, that right. happened to me too. And another person heard the story and said, are you kidding? That right. happened to me. And you have to think about it. Uma Thurman's, you know, in her late 40s, I mm -hmm. think. And it's, she is. You just, you, I think in our society as young women, it's hard to find your voice right. to stand up, especially if you need the work. Right. You know? Right. And it's like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't stand up for anything. I just got in my car and came home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, forget it. This is just too hard. And I, the thing I didn't love about the industry, too, is it's like, moving sand like you're nothing solid right and um yeah but nothing like that ever happened to me I'm not trying to say that it did because uh, I don't know how I would have reacted if I had been assaulted mm -hmm. or, or something like that well um, then you're back to that's a great point you don't know what you would have done you're back into the fuckety fucked up of it right? <laughs> right because then you're going well surely Surely, if I'm going to a meeting with a person that everybody loves, I'm going to be safe to go because maybe that's you how these assume. meetings work. They do. Your next step is going to be is not going to be. I bet if I go up there, he's going to take off his clothes and masturbate in front of me. That's that's not what you're thinking. If you're just somebody who lives in their own home and think, well, you know, the person that I love just did something really odd. I bet he's having sex with people on Craigslist without my knowledge. You, yeah. and, if, and in fact, if you did voice that to someone, they would have gone, well, you're crazy. Right. You're crazy. That What? Just because you're wondering because something seemed weird. But when, it, when you actually learn or you experience what happened because of those things that you never anticipated in another person, right. you blame yourself. Right. Well, surely I should have known not to do that. Surely I should have known not to, to be in love with this person. Surely I should have known not to take a meeting with that well, person. Surely I should have known. No. I'm going to pause it because that brings me to another question and I want fresh tape for it. Okay. Welcome to Mad Love, hosted by Judith A. Cope, produced by Just Meteorworks. So now my question is, can you give a little background? Because clearly this t topic is passionate for you. Mm -hmm. You're very focused on it. You speak from experience. Can you share with our listeners uh, how you came to the to the path of women's abuse advocacy? Sure. You know, it was a path that kind of sprang on me very, very unexpectedly out of nowhere. And um, it originated with discovering just very accidentally um, horrific, horrific abuse. And deciding from that point forward... After, oh gosh, you know, just some some moments where it's really impossible to breathe when you discover certain information and you, there's then, you know, a million and one ancillary pieces that have to be taken into consideration. Um, realizing that living in fear is not an option and that if I can help people who need assistance, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it in how people approach leaving perpetrators. I'm going to do it in how people approach when they want to go get restraining orders. What do you do? When the, the state of Missouri has guidelines for how to go to court to for a restraining order, and some of those guidelines include you need to wear shoes, mm. there's a problem. 
that means enough people have shown up without shoes to warrant that to be specifically called out. So that, to me, becomes a call to action, not only to say people who are abused, women who are abused, men who are abused, don't fit a stereotype, um, don't fit a, a mold that you can then say, well, I'm safe in my world because I'm not like that. There is no that. And so the, that kind of exposure needs to be present. But the second arm of that needs to be that those people who truly don't show up and not wear shoes have so many other issues right. before they ever got to the point they showed up in court with no shoes. So how do we help those people? And if I have the education, the capability, the presence to communicate to that uh, those people, then it becomes back to the seventh grade girl sitting at her desk saying, what I just witnessed is not acceptable, and I'm going to stand up against it. And right. the more I talked to people and heard their stories, the more I felt a calling to tell those stories and allow a voice to be heard. I think from you, I learned, cutting off, sorry. No, it's okay. I learned uh, intimate partner violence as a phrase, but also violence appears in more than just punching someone in the face mm-hmm. or physical violence. Right. Um, sometimes the more extreme damage that you can't see mm-hmm. is just as crippling. Oh my goodness, yes. As the Oh my goodness, yes. physical stuff. It's falling asleep and having someone scream in your face to wake you up. Hmm. Now, a person may have never gotten punched or slapped during that screaming fit, but to wake up to the person who claims to love you screaming in your face to wake you up, that's abuse. And at what point in anyone's relationship do you get to the point where you allowed that to happen and you stayed? Because to me, and this is one of the topics you and I have talked about, is it's very important to follow your gut even if you can't name it. And following your gut, though, you can't just know and believe that you have a strong gut and I'm going, even if I can't name it and I feel like something's wrong, I'm going to act on the fact that something's wrong. You have to act. You can't just feel something in your gut and not close the door then on that behavior. You have to act. And so what point between knowing your gut and acting have you been demeaned so much that you never get to action? that's the gap I want to lessen for any woman or man who's in an abusive situation, whether it's physical abuse, um, whether it's psychological abuse, where it's um, demeaning, you know, narcissistic abuse. um, Lessen that gap so that they can follow their gut and have the means and resources to act on that and get out. Some people, and whether it's an abusive situation or not, some people are not happy until they have someone. Mm -hmm. And if that someone... Even if that someone isn't good to them, it's better than not having anyone. Right. And I'm not like that. Oh, you're not like that at all. I mean, that's one of the things I admire about you. I remember you and I having a lunch and me saying to you, you know, when somebody says something mean to you, it was we were talking about the, the disillusion of, of relationships. And I said, well, when someone says something mean to you, how do you know you meant it? How, how do you not go, well, surely they love me and they couldn't have meant what they just said. And and you said, <laughs> and I wrote it down and it pops up in my phone as a reminder at like 2.28 every day. You believe them when they tell you something. 
When they act away, you believe that that's how you are. And I just read an interesting article that said, how do really um, intelligent, strong women fall prey to this? And it's because sometimes the intelligence is the... Oh, is the tipping point. So the intelligence could be, and I want to give proper credit. Credit the name. The woman's name is Melanie Tanya or Tanya Melanie. Melanie Melanie Tanya Tanya Melanie. I want to do it properly. Um, And she, um, Melanie Tanya Evans, is the woman who wrote the article, and and people should check her out. She's a great resource on on how to thrive after being abused, and. She said sometimes the people most at risk are intelligent people because they say, well, I can fix this problem. I'm smart right. enough and I have the resources. I can fix this problem. Right. So surely there's just need something that be, needs to be fixed. And my attention and my modeling the correct behaviors and my being an example of how to behave is going to fix this person. Right. Which when there problem. doesn't need to be a fixing of the person, if they don't meet your basic baseline, that's what we have now in, in our my little crew we have a baseline now, and if people don't meet it, we use Judy Culp's words, which are, you believe it when <laughs> which, they say it and when you act on it. Well, also, it's a kind of a tweaking of Maya Angelou. I mean, you know, right. believe people exactly. the first time they, they tell, tell you, you who they are. But it it's true. I and, and the work I've been doing, you know, spiritually, a big piece of it really informs the fact that your life is the result of what you believe. Amen. And the sum of your actions. And Oprah says you become what you believe, mm-hmm. but even further than that, for me, you become what you believe you deserve. See, and now you're like if I could hear angels sing and fireworks go <laughs> off, that would be this would be the point but of that. But like that's my of what my you work. deserve. Yeah, exactly. and if you don't believe you deserve more, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter. It's those little things that happen to you, those, you know, thousand cuts that happen as you grow up mm-hmm. and those little things that form your soul and your personality and you're not sure and you're just growing up from a little person to a, you know, teenage girl. Yeah. And, you know, some of that stuff, and I, I think you and I have talked about this. I know I talked about this recently with um, our friend Shana. It's like... Going to Catholic school, too, really reinforces this whole notion that you're not worthy of anything. Oh, amen. Like, you don't, you don't deserve it. Jesus died for you. Yeah. He's in every classroom on this cross, and yeah. you don't deserve it. Yeah. Now open your textbook. <laughs> you know what I mean? And don't even get me started on Disney. <laughs> don't even get me started on Disney, because as little girls, we grow up, and you watch Beauty and the Beast, right? And and the Beast takes her, physically removes her from her family, locks her up, and everyone says, "Well, if you just showed him how to love, he'd be oh, a good he'd good be one. a good man." Oh. If you just shown him, even though he's taken you from his family, <laughs> he's locked you. He's 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 kidnapped you. You're just looking at if it. If you wrong just way. loved him <laughs> enough. And why do they do so many iterations of They do. It's like a cartoon. It's been a TV show. I can't watch it now without, I, I can't I even watch, watch it. it I can't all. even watch it. I think, I, you know, it's just a masquerade uh, for people who want to pretend that, you know, this is this behavior is okay. And meanwhile, they're like a pus <laughs> oozing. It. They're pus oozing cancerous sores underneath. But- um,